Well, the rugby news cycle has been working overtime this week across all levels and jurisdictions of the sport. The NPC being described as not fit for purpose by the sports boss in New Zealand feels like an age ago when you consider the Iron Farrell debacle and Eddie Jones' travelling circus we've been living through this morning. Uh, whether fit for purpose or not, we have another round of the NPC to get into this weekend, uh, though with a tasty battle uh, of the bridge. I love that battle, the Battle of the Bridge in Auckland tomorrow after as a centrepiece. There's no confusion where uh, James Parsons loyalties lie, of course. Uh, rich history with uh, North Harbour, over 100 games for them and the Blues as well. Uh, so when it comes to uh, this particular clash, uh, we've got to catch up with him because uh, he's pretty passionate about it. James, good morning to you. Morning, Slivy. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm pretty damn good, mate. A hell of a week in rugby and uh, we haven't seen a lot played so far. Well, I mean, you have been over the years an advocate for um, you know, uh, being very, very careful about the head area and the, and the game. Um, it's been one of your passions. What have you made of this Farrell saga? And it seems like it might get the right come after all. Yeah, I suppose um, the best way to look at it is sort of sticking to the facts of the process that the refs go through. Um, and, and in a two-man tackle, which is what they considered this one to be with Jamie George, obviously um, putting it... I suppose a brief touch, not a not a massive amount of impact on the Welsh player, um, and so the first thing they go obviously is their head contact. I think that's pretty clear that there was. You know, the second stage, they ask if there's foul play, and and that's a, a yes in the instance that Owen Farrell was upright. So obviously we look for that sort of hinging at the hips for dipping. Um, as, as you try to make a tackle, so definitely foul play, and then once that's sort of answered. Uh, you know, they ask the question of what level of danger and, and you know, direct shoulder to head um, or head on head is, is considered high. And then where I suppose Farrell and his um, representatives have made a case that the original panel, um, you know, agreed with is, you know, when, it, when there's a two-man tackle, the question around mitigation is, you know, did the original tackler, which is Jamie George in this situation, change the dynamic of the tackle late enough to put Owen Farrell um, in a position he didn't expect? So if that's the case, then it goes, obviously, um, as a yellow card, um, and, and that's where they went with and downgraded it. But I think, obviously, uh, World Rugby um, have, have challenged that because... Um, you know, most people sort of agree that the dynamic of the tackle didn't change, um, you know, late or dramatically enough um, that, you know, sort of put Owen Farrell in a position he didn't expect to. So um, they'll go back to, I, I suppose, the table and, and you know, we'll, we'll find out um, the results of that moving forward. I think the deeper issue as well, James, is the fact that this is his fifth time in front of the beak. In fact, when he goes back for the appeal, that'll be his sixth time. I mean, that is just way too many, um, you know, to consider him being unlucky. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, that's probably why everyone sort of reacted the way they they have. Um, you know, it's not about the individual, but if you look at, you know, the history and, and it's been well documented, he is, uh, brings a lot of attention because he's a quality player and captain of England. Um, you know, that's probably where the surprise was. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... History is a big thing, but also um, if you look back on the other instances, he has actually been quite remorseful in the moment in terms of that care for the player that 
you know, has been hit, whereas on this occasion he, he seemed to get quite heated and, you know, it, it, it's probably just frustration at himself, um, you know, that he reacted that way. But, um, you know, the panel will, will definitely consider that as well. Right, let's get on to uh, more pleasant matters, of course, and that is uh, the Battle of the Bridge at 2.05 to tomorrow afternoon. Uh, taking it back uh, to the people, really, I suppose. Uh, I, I like the venue, and I l- I've always loved this encounter. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a great game. It's, um, you know, sort of a, a, a game, you know, when, when we were struggling as, as Harbour, as, you know, we sort of knew we could bring our community with us if, if we could pick up, um, you know, the Battle of the Bridge uh, means a lot to both sides. Um, and I just think, you know, there is always obviously Harbour being the underdog and the little brother and, and you know, knowing the Harbour Harbour squad, they'll they'll be leaning into that this week and, um, you know, looking to punch above their weight. And, and you know, I think they've proven um, a number of people wrong with their uh, performance in the first two weeks against some quality sides not getting the results. But um, there's plenty of fight in them. And, you know, Auckland, you know, stacked with talent. Um, and, you know, they're just sort of finding their, their feet at the moment. Big uh, comeback, uh, comeback win uh, against Bay of Plenty and um, a slip-up against Tasman. So both sides plenty to play for. Yeah, it's an interesting one, actually. I think Auckland uh, have been a bit underwhelming al- already early on in the piece. They got out of jail against the Bay of Plenty, uh, couldn't do it against Tasman. So I think for both sides, actually, in terms of uh, the competition this season, it's pretty crucial, more than just the feel about it. Oh, it's massive. Um, you know, if you go sort of one and two for Auckland and if you go and three for Harbour, it, it, it makes the mountain um, fairly hard to climb. Um, you know, and, and home games are massive. Um, so probably more pressure on Harbour um, to get this result um, in the sense of, of the season and, and, you know, their second game at home. Um, but, oh, I mean, you know, from my point of view, um, it's just great to see that their home ground's back at Oniwa. Um, I think those sorts of grounds can play a, a big role in, in the evolution of MPC. Right, let's uh, look at, um, you know, and, and that's a good point. You, of course, co-host of the Rugby Pass um, with uh, Bryn Hall and, uh, and Ross Carla, and you talk through a number of issues all the time, and I'm sure this is going to be an ongoing one. The future of uh, the NPC and the venues that they're going to play at uh, Mark Robinson, of course, has come out and has said there's too much money being spent at the top by a lot of provinces and trying to win the NPC, which I find interesting because if there's no incentive to win it as such or you don't make that a priority, how do the players feel about that? Oh, I think, I mean, Smithy, you'll know you've been a player yourself at, at um, sort of national level. Um, you know, if you're turning up and you're not wanting to win... Um, I just you're not going to survive in the professional sporting arena. So, um, you know, it may be looked at differently in front offices, but from a player's point of view, um, every time you cross that white line, you know, to be to be honest, every time you cross the white line at training, it's it's you um, against you know someone else that wants your jersey. So, you know, players are competitors, and and I don't see that changing. And and there's a lot of love uh, for NPC. You know, like um, people, um, you know, and playing for it, it's it's a little bit more free, um, it's a little bit more unstructured, so um, it's fun to play, it's fun to view, and, and I definitely feel it has its place um, in, in New Zealand rugby, and yeah, I'd be disappointed if, if it fell by the wayside. 
We have to um, we have to be honest about it though, and and for some reason, uh, people just aren't going. Um, you know, you you had a rich history, you know, you played in an era where. Crowds were a lot more substantial than they are now, James. Now, I just wonder uh, about addressing this issue. And as you say, the boutique grounds may become um, a bit more in vogue now. Yeah, I think they have to. Uh, I totally agree with you, Smitty. Like, um, you know, if you stay the same, it's, it's going to get the same results. So, um, you know, there has been slight innovation um, throughout the years. But, um, you know, I suppose there's a lot more on offer for, for the public to sort of you know, decides where where they put their disposable income, and and you know somehow we we need to put our heads together and and come up with a product that um, you know draws the attention of the people and the communities that these teams represent. Um, and it, I suppose the the main point though is totally agree that you know it may need to look different, but it, it will always have its place in my personal opinion um, in our rugby landscape. James, you've also had a, a really rich history with the Blues as well, and they're now surmising, or perhaps or speculating, I, I'd say is probably the better word, that uh, the Blues might have to look away from Eden Park because of costs and, uh, and you know, crowd sizes, etc. That almost seems unthinkable. To, I, I can't think of anywhere else in Auckland which would be suitable, I suppose, apart from maybe Mount Smart. or I, I, It just seems to me, has it got to this point? Yeah, I'm not too sure. Like, um, I suppose the Blues, normally, I suppose in my time, it, you know, sort of averaged around sort of that 17,000 to 20,000, and um, it doesn't look a hell of a lot, obviously, in Eden Park. But, again, it is, you know, I suppose the mecca um, in terms of rugby grounds for the history of the game and, and obviously connected to the Blues. Um, you know, it'd be disappointing to move away, but it, it is a business at the end of the day, and... Um, you know, if it's not financially viable, then you know they have to look at these solutions, and that's why uh, people are in these roles. Um, but as a fan and as a as a past player, um, you know you'd love to see it stay at Eden Park. Um, but also, it might give the opportunity. Um, as I see, I think one game's already going to Northland. Um, you know, there's obviously a number of Northland players within that squad, and and getting back to those communities, and and I know that. You know, especially a, a large South African contingent and the North Shore whenever I played there you know we, we got good numbers at Albany Stadium uh, especially if we're playing a South African side um, so there, there are options there but um, I think you're right you know you, you sort of do expect um, to see them back there next year Now that uh, all squads have pretty much been finalised for uh, the World Cup I think there's still a little bit of tinkering to be done up north with a couple of their squads. But um, in terms of the All Blacks, I'm sure you've discussed this on, on your show as well, but uh, I just want you, the scrum side of things, are you, are you confident? Um, you know, the, the number one unit looks pretty damn good. But are you confident with the, f- the fact that we can compete uh, with the big, the, the big boys, uh, Ireland and France up north? Yeah, absolutely, I do. I, I think I've I've grown in confidence as well, and I think you know a lot of people have felt the same. And, and I certainly think if you look at the team and, and the um, the management team and the All Blacks, that they've grown in confidence throughout this um, rugby championship. And I, and I think um, what was displayed off the bench um, by Tonga Fasi, um, Takiaho, and um, Newell uh, against the Wallabies, um, you know, really showed a tough uncompromising one-two punch um, and, and I suppose the set piece but also the breakdown areas to to fight their way back 
um, to get that result in Dunedin. So um, I think there's there's you know really good competition within the squad. Uh, that starting uh, front row is, is going extremely well, but I don't think they can rest on their laurels. Um, you know, I think the the impact of you know Yule um, as well coming back from injury. He, he's a he's a key cog. Um, you know, especially if, if they can keep utilising him off the bench. Very similar to what the Springboks do with, with Malcolm Marks and um, Kitsoff. Um, you know, like they, they are brought in early in the second half and, and they do some serious damage against teams that, you know, sort of change their front row a little bit later. Cody Taylor, your starter at the moment? Yeah, I think, I think it's been working well. Um, you know, Samasoni is, is such a handful um, at the start of the game, but even more so um, with ball in hand, um, you know, and similar to Marks, you know, like it's hard sometimes I'll agree to comprehend that he comes off the bench. Um, and, and I think Summer Sonny's had a, had a massive year in, in his form, you know, warrants him to be pushing for a start, but it just seems to work really well for the 23 um, in that rotation. James Parsons, uh, terrific to catch up for you. Uh, do you have an opportunity to go along tomorrow? Uh, I'm, I'm commentating uh, Canterbury Manawatu, so unfortunately not. Oh. I'll be watching it uh, uh, on the Sky Go. They didn't give you your home game. <laughs> I know, mate. I know. I was hanging out, <laughs> hanging out for it on my list, but not to be. They're sending the big dogs. Uh, just who's, who's before we let you go? Who's who's um, who's uh, impressed you of uh, in the early stages of the MPC? Oh, I think they have plenty. I know they lost that game against Auckland, but I think you know they, they've shown um, some some real depth. I think Hawks Bay um, has has shown you know I suppose the fight. But I go back two years and Taranaki were obviously in that division. Um, you know, I think it's called the Championship back there, and, and didn't lose a game. And um, they're looking quite the force um, early on. As long as they can stay injury free, their main sort of twenty three and 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 Caelan Boshier, um, is playing the house down and, and lead, leading um, extremely well. So I think Taranaki are, are, are well placed currently, but the, the big boys are yet to fire. I think Canterbury haven't been with a normally at, and Auckland haven't either. So you've, you've got to think they'll get a momentum at some point. James, as I said, always great to catch up with you, mate. Love your work you're doing on Sky, and uh, all the very best with your commentary future as well. Uh, thanks for your time, mate. Cheers, Smithy. Likewise.